Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber has the morning off. Futures with some gains on a full plate of news. Half a dozen bank earnings. The U.K. sacking its chancellor. $20 billion grocery deal and retail sales, which gave us a bounce here last few moments. Ten-year yields back to pre-CPI levels. Our roadmap begins with the big banks mixed. Jamie Dimon doubling down on his economic warning, says the bank is prepared for bad outcomes. The U.K. U-turn. Prime Minister Truss abandoning those controversial fiscal policies which fueled market chaos and creating a grocery giant, Kroger, now to buy Albertsons in that nearly $25 billion deal. Let's begin with the markets, though, this morning. The, the major swing yesterday, Jim, and then I assume you think the bulls like a goose egg on retail sales here? Yeah, but I have to tell you, yesterday was some poorly positioned uh, people, even at some major houses, some hedge funds. A lot of guys got where uh, short calls got completely crushed. They thought that when they saw the number, uh, kind of not like what Lloyd Blankfein tweeted, say, which is if Lloyd you had the number, you would have just completely <laughs> been run over. Lloyd, come on, man, I miss you. And it was just one of those times where people were, the big boys were wrong and they got caught. Uh, and now we get this number today, retail. They may stay caught for a little bit, but there's no doubt about it to me if you're trying to figure out S&P earnings for next year, they're lower. And uh, the price earnings multiple will be lower. So this was a little, um, this was a short squeeze. Let's make, no, make everyone know it was a short squeeze. Uh, but then you have very good bank numbers today. So it makes it so the short squeeze is a little more painful. Because there really were, I, I even have, you know, I know people are slagging Morgan Stanley, but they did have some great money flows, good pre-tax margin wealth did the biggest buyback. The Wells Fargo quarter was magnificent. Charlie Sharp's back. The Charlie Sharp that we know as being the genius who is able to make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. He's doing it. Jamie, very low key, just doing a very good job when it comes to mortgages, traditional traditional business. I've not, uh, City's hard for me, a little impenetrable. But uh, we used to start with Wells and say they were great. And then you had all these problems with Wells. Yeah. They're going I mean- away. Uh, the charge on some of the regulatory matters, uh, but you're right about net interest income beating, um, revenue ahead. Provisions on, uh, on credit, uh, provisions $784 million or so. Yeah, and look, I will say, I mean, what Charlie does better than anyone is he quietly makes it so that uh, the headcount goes lower. Uh, the net interest income is just extraordinary here. And uh, I really, really felt that, you know, you went, you went from 265,000 people when took over the bank. It's down to 240000 I think you can take out another 20000 $2 billion charge. Yes, he had to do that because there's obviously issues with regulators. But uh, the expense structure here is going down so fast. And the quarter-to-quarter net interest income was up 19% quarter-to-quarter. Um, this is the one. My travel trust owns it. I was so happy. I was, like, jumping up. I said, it can't be this good. Charlie could not have delivered this good a number. And he did. Yeah. And those of us who remember Charlie, 
uh, at other situations. We're just waiting for this quarter, and we got it. And this is the breakout Charlie quarter. Kind of feels like we're in that moment where uh, you're getting a lot of income boost because of rates, and yet not huge danger signals on delinquencies. None. I mean, one of the things that Charlie's making it very clear, I think we'll make it very clear today, is that where, is, where are the delinquencies? I mean, he's, built, he's being careful, but there basically are none. And remember, one of the things that people have to understand if you're a banker, if you buy treasuries with the money that I put you in deposit and you give me nothing really to speak of in deposit, that's what you make. And uh, they're doing it. Uh, now, I mean, look, I'm J.P. Morgan, that interest revenue went through the roof. I mean, this is an unbelievable number. Uh, Morgan Stanley expenses miss, but they had no big loan losses. So I look at these numbers, J.P. Morgan only up 61 cents. I mean, come on. I mean, J- unless Jamie Dimon says we're burning down the house, which is two years song that my daughter likes very much. Uh, I think that that's going to be fine. But it's Wells. I, 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 I you know, I, Charlie and I have been sometimes we're back and forth. Yeah. This time, no. <laughs> um, on J.P. Morgan, I mean, we knew where expectations were on IB, IB revenue. Down 47 is actually a little bit ahead of where the street was. I, 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 I couldn't believe it. I mean, this should be the quarter of nothing. Nothing. And by the way, you know, Wells is involved with the, uh, the Albertsons deal. Now, they didn't used to do that kind of thing. That's the kind of, hey, listen, we're, they're a client. Now we're going to get some fees. That's a fantastic business. Great gross margins. And I really like it. And uh, J.P. Morgan did much better, given the fact that there was not a single IPO. The only thing I worry about with the banks is Elizabeth Warren. If, they, if she isn't jammed on some other things and sees how much they're making, ouch! Mm-hmm. Because uh, they are making so much money. It's, and I, look, I'm, my trust is a shareholder of Wells, so I want Wells to do well. And they, they did not let me down. Right. Well, if the Senate changes hands, then might be uh, a tougher road for her. Senate right? changes hands. Uh, Holy not, not cow. Not unthinkable. Wells goes to 80. Yeah. Um, as for uh, Monday, we'll get B of A. And right. I heard you tell Joe that you thought Goldman might be well, one just, of the more important prints. Yeah, because Goldman is just, you know, they're all the trading and they're all the mer- mergers and they're all the issuance. So if they can do a good number, then suddenly we really will pay more for these stocks. So Goldman's a litmus test simply because they're the one that's most levered to all the businesses that we know have slowed. Also uh, coming in in front of the Goldman print uh, in the next few days is this news about Apple and the high yield savings. Today, J.P. Morgan says, who stands to lose? Everybody else. PayPal, Square, traditional banks. Oh, they've been doing that. Well, look, the buy now, now, not pay later has been their, that's their mantra. uh, I, I, I will say that that fintech is fini la secla, you know, final set. I just think that fintech was loved for a while, but the banks, the real, the core banks figured out. And what we're going to hear when uh, Brian Moynihan speaks next week is that they are the bank that all these other ones want to be, the squares. Square's not delivering. And, and I, I keep, I like this, this CFO, but I think that one of the things that were happening is that we saw from Twitter, you can't have an absent CEO. And I, I think Parag was doing a good job at Twitter, but Obviously, I don't think he's the number one choice to be captive. Sure. I, I think no, probably I think, not. No. I think it, it, that could be a clean your desk situation. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, Block's not run by anybody. And, and that's always been a problem. It's kind of like, like the Panthers, okay? Like, what, until they get a coach. <clears throat> yeah. Once you get a coach, it's D- Does that mean that um, there's less danger of upside expense guidance from traditional banks if there's less of a fintech element to compete against? Yes. 
Like the only fintech element that I thought was meaningful was how much, I don't know if you saw that you got 3% now in your Goldman account. Uh, that I got 3% today. So the Goldman Apple uh, is good, but the fintechs, uh, their, day, their days come. Mm-hmm. They had uh, unbelievable growth, but now the margins are coming apart. Now, see, Goldman down the dollar, what is it like down the dollar? Like, that's like those stupid Goldman people who were short the calls yesterday. Carl, there were some people yesterday who went home, and they have five mescals, and they're still hung over. You know, they're, like, coming in. You know, like, I, when I was a newspaper man, I used to see guys drink whiskey in the morning. Like, what are you, do? what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm pounding, some, uh, pounding some JDS brand, you know, green. They don't even do the, I, I, I don't know. Anyone who was short that, those calls yesterday, yes. yeah. I really think that they are candidates this morning for not being, they're for Alka-Seltzer. They are, uh, someone lost so much money yesterday. I don't even, they lost more than the Bank of England. Yeah, uh, fourth biggest uh, reversal intraday for the NAS, fifth largest ever for the S&P. Can you imagine how wrong they were? They got short, and just when they finished their short is when they got the whamma-jamma, yeah. the upside. That's what we used to call it, the whamma-jamma. Yeah, so do you think, I mean, given what you said about the reversal, and given what you've said about some of the banks, um, we had Dan Niles on Tech Check yesterday. He suggested, look, I'm, you know, he's not long by any means, but he thinks October could be an up month. I was shocked at that. And I love Dan. He's an old friend for about 30 years. This morning, Loop Capital uh, does the unthinkable. They say it's time to buy Micron. It's time to get in ahead of the cycle. We've had the prolonged price declines. They've been steep. Sharp reduction in earnings, significant capex cuts. That's when you buy Micron. Mm-hmm. Micron is up 10% from when they said, basically, please don't buy us. You know? I mean, that was like a don't buy. Like Sanjay, who I like, Sanjay Maroche, he's like one of my, my wife said, would you please be nice to him? He's like one of the nicest people in the world. So I will say this about Sanjay. Sanjay came on and said, we don't really have a lot of hope here. And Loop says, time to buy. Yeah, I saw the same thing, uh, just timing the inventory cycle on TSM. But you have said yes. you thought... Semis are vulnerable still. Well, I still think that the last three weeks has bought has been very bad for them. And I hate to be so granular, but it really is. I'm getting week to week, and they're just not doing that well. Uh, and they're not doing that well because PCs are still bad, but really because of the Biden, the hype. No one really knows what he means by high-performance computing because what they're afraid is they're making parts for companies who are then going to be told, listen, uh, that stuff, you don't have a license to sell. So that's who's really caught, and, and it is. Now, will there be a new gaming cycle? A lot of people have given up on gaming. Now, if you look at NVIDIA, they've got new cards that, and I've seen them, there are lifelike. So if there is a new gaming cycle, that could matter. But everybody's frozen by Biden, because they're all saying, geez, how do we get a license to sell in China? So that's, yeah. that, that's the worry, and every, you know, kind of all frozen because of that. Right, really yeah, frozen. a real policy uh, game right now. We mentioned the U.K. this morning, and the Prime Minister, Liz Truss, is due to hold a news conference later on this hour, expected to scrap parts of that tax cut package amid this recent turmoil. She has fired the Chancellor. Uh, Germana Brissetche is outside tent downing with the latest this morning. Hi, Germana. Hi there. Well, we had a tweet out of the outgoing Chancellor Kwasi Kwartang a short while ago confirming that uh, the Prime Minister had asked him to stand aside and that he had accepted. Uh, and I think what's really interesting about this letter is he said it is important we move forward now to emphasize your government's commitment 
to fiscal discipline. And the reason I bring this up is this government has been under a tremendous amount of pressure since they released that mini-budget on September 23rd, coming out with a big portion of unfunded tax cuts, which shot up borrowing costs in the UK. We saw uh, huge ramifications on the gilt market. In the space of 24 hours, we had about 100 basis point move higher in yields, which prompted the Bank of England to intervene to bring in some stability. So ever since then, there's been a lot of pressure on this government to backtrack on some of those measures that they introduced in that mini-budget. Now, they've done one U-turn already with respect to this higher income tax rate, but there is expectation that they may have to do more U-turns on things like corporation tax. They had plans to freeze it. That may not go ahead anymore on dividend tax as well. And uh, we do know that the Prime Minister is expected to give a speech in about 20 minutes' time right here in Downing Street. Uh, we also know that uh, the, they have appointed the next Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, who is also a long-standing member of the Conservative Party. He was actually in the race to become leader of the Conservative Party in the summer. He didn't win, obviously, but in the past he's spoken about the importance of reining in inflation. And this is very key for an economy, which see, is seeing a headline inflation rates of close to 10 percentage points and a central bank that obviously has to act aggressively, not just to counter that, but to counter a very expansionary fiscal policy as well. So a lot of moving parts here, both on the fiscal side of things, but also politically as well, as some people are saying, look, not only has the chancellor gone, but maybe the prime minister as well, maybe her days are number two. Uh, we're going to watch for that. You certainly have the whole world uh, watching uh, policy in the U.K. this morning. Jamana, thank you. Uh, Jamana Persecci outside uh, 10 Downing. Interestingly, Jim, Jamie Dimon's on the tape now, uh, asked about the U.K. LDI situation, calls it a bump in the road, uh, says he sees volatile markets but nothing systemic. Well, I think that these our banks have so much capital. I hope that Mr. Barr, who's now in charge of it for uh, the Fed, uh, recognizes that the level of capital they have has made it so these things don't really, they're glancing blows. And I never thought that would, Jamie just said damn good returns. Jamie, you're supposed to say darn good. He's got to get out of the whole slang thing. Uh, but at least he's not Hurricane Jamie. He's much more like, uh, I, I think he's the Bronx bomber. But one of the things that really that it shocks me about all the British stuff, there was a time, Carl, where we would be, on our phones, monitoring Britain at 4 a.m., just saying what's going to happen. And now we're so our banks are so solid, and they're in such disarray that it's almost as if we've all kind of just said, you know, ever since Brexit, these guys have been they've stopped being a great power. And I think it's horrible for those of us who love Britain go all the time, but they're not a great power anymore. And uh, that it's an amazing. I mean, they've taken themselves out of the great power. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, ever since Brexit, they really haven't figured out what to do. It is amazing. Uh, relative strength in banking structure versus the rest of the world. Uh, relative strength oh. in energy versus the rest of the world. I wouldn't put my, I mean, I'd rather put my money in a Monty to, in Monty to pass. Oh, I have some there, Monty to pass. Oh, it's in Siena. You got a good paleo seat, you know, when you <laughs> yeah, get that. Right. Remember that one in, in James Bond? Um, but I, I, I just think that, 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 that London is a fabulous city. But it's, it's the center of the food world, not the banking world. What a come down. Yeah. Uh, we're going to watch it. Obviously, uh, day's not over yet in the U.K. When we come back, we'll talk about the supermarket deal. Uh, one giant about to get even bigger, as Kroger confirms it has agreed to buy Albertsons. Take a look at the pre-market here, trying to add on to yesterday's gains, even if uh, you might not believe they're long-lasting. We shall see. Squawk on the Street continues in a moment. 
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. This deal to create a supermarket giant is now official. Kroger agreeing to acquire Albertsons for 34.10 a share. That deal valued at 24.6 billion, including debt. Together, they operate nearly 5,000 stores. And Kroger's Rodney McMullen will be the CEO of the combined company. He'll be on closing bell today, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Jim, almost more than 700,000 employees. A lot of discussion yesterday about antitrust uh, implications. Well, there should be because the. Uh done a lot of work on this. Uh, in 2015, uh, when uh, Safeway merged with Albertsons, made a deal with the FTC to be able to sell 165 stores, 168 stores to get this deal, the overlap. They sold them to an alpha called Hagen. Uh, a few months later, Hagen went out of business, literally went bankrupt. And all the guys got the stores back, like Safeway and Ashland sold it to Hagen. Hagen goes under, it goes back to Safeway. So what the Justice Department has told me is they will never, ever allow this to happen again. Now, the way to get this deal done is they have to do exactly that. I think that Rodney's fabulous. I like Albertson, but I don't know who their advisor is. But they better uh, make it. They have to come to terms very quickly to the FTC because the FTC and Justice feel that that merger between Albertson and, and Safeway was the dumbest thing they've ever done. And they've said they would never allow this to happen again. I want the merger to happen because they say that there could be heft and they can fight for the consumer. Mm-hmm. But they have to spin off. And both the FTC and Justice Department regarded it as a great black market on their legacy that the outfit that they gave it to, Safe, Safeway gave to Hagen, went bankrupt almost instantly and the stores reverted. So um, watch it. But if you're sure about it, don't be. Yeah. Uh, they do. My information is better than their information. They do make some attempts here. They say they're going to invest half a billion in synergies that they would then use to pass on lower prices. Well, half a billion might be better. Uh, they have to be very careful because we've been waiting for Jonathan Canner from the antitrust department. Just, this was handled by the FTC, the previous one, to be able to. FTC is going to hate this deal because the FTC is very, very left. But Canner's been waiting for a deal to be able to say, you know what, you can't do this. Uh, Of course, they can always fight it in court. But this is a deal that has a lot of overlap. And if they don't have real companies buying, uh, not joke companies that can go bankrupt, uh, then this deal will be killed. So you don't have high faith in in a close, and you think the price action here is justified? If the the Democrats lose the midterms, I think the agencies go nuts and become as deep and hard left as you've ever seen. 
It's all about the midterms. So the Democrats, I think that Albertsons uh, needs to see the Democrats win because otherwise all they have are these agencies and the agencies are going to show the true colors, which is there. The people who are running these agencies are as left as you're ever going to believe. When I say left, I mean they, they don't want combinations. I'm not saying Elizabeth Warren's going to run everything, but I am saying that we have not heard from Jonathan Cantor yet. He's got 555 lawyers. They've done a lot of smaller ones, but this is the one. He's a caged tiger. And look out. He's yeah. the head of antitrust for justice. He's really yeah. smart. We spent a lot of time talking about Lena Khan and not so much about Cantor. Lena Khan's smart, but uh, I know Cantor. He's from Paul Weiss, uh, which is my law firm. And uh, He's, he's very aware of the, of the colossal Hagen failure that they really got just snookered on, and they never want to be snookered again. So I think that Rodney ought to come on and say, listen, we're not going to let Hagen happen. Hagen is crucial because that's what's in the minds of the FTC and the Justice Department. They never forgot Hagen. 2015. Well, watch that uh, this afternoon. They should be asking about Hagen. Had, had Rodney come on our show, it would have been front and center. <laughs> I'm sure they'll handle it. When we come back, uh, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash countdown to the opening bell on this Friday. Don't go anywhere. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Some of the pre-market gainers. You heard Jim talk about Wells a few moments ago, up almost 4%. Delta's not far behind on this upgrade out of Cowan. Uh, they go to outperform price target 54. UNH as well. Uh, raising their guide for the year. Beautiful. Don't forget the opening bells coming up in a few moments, and you can always catch us anytime, anywhere by listening to and following the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Don't go away. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. The a situation with Netflix upcoming is probably one of the most controversial I've seen. For instance, J.P. Morgan comes out today, and they say that uh, it looks like that People are say that remains discuss stock our coverage and sentiment skews positive. Cities come out and says sentiment skewed muted. I like this. I like it because I think one they're going to be able to tell a good story, but two I think the ad support is really at an interesting price, uh, six and change. So uh, six dollars ninety nine cents. So I think that this is the stock in Fang that's actually acted the best in the last three months, and it may actually be an interesting situation. Six ninety nine. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Uh, four to five minutes of ads per content hour. Well, is that a reason? That I, a good value probably? I don't know. I mean, when I watch Hulu and I watch The Bear, I felt that there were that that was the level, and it was very hard, and you tended to want to uh, fast forward. But I mean, I think that there are a lot of people who really believe in in Netflix, but felt it got too high. I never thought it was too high, but then again, I know I've done well in life. But you know, there's a lot of guys who are neutral. And so it's the setup is a good one, is what I'm saying. I love the Moffitt report uh, yesterday, looking at the number of episodes that debuted in a quarter, last quarter. Netflix, 1,026 episodes is five times everybody else combined. Well, I, I haven't, how, 
I have a hard problem really disliking the situation down here. And I do think management is very strong. Uh, certainly, talk about a U-turn. It's taken a while, but the U-turn on advertising at a Netflix is remarkable. Remember how much they said it'll never happen? Yeah. Uh, but look, the world has changed. You gotta change with it. Uh, they're still doing better than most of the conventional media we deal with. Let's get a look at the opening bell here at the NYSE Expensive Capital Firm, Lush Capital. Our congratulations to them as we see Brett filling in. Uh, Dow looks to uh, add on to the gains back above 30K. Oh, they're never going to bring that short in, Carl. How do you get the short in? Yep. And back close to that 3,700 level, Jim, on the S&P. Look, I think that the prevailing wisdom was that we were about to go to 3,100 to 3,300. This is the battleground. The battleground are the people who now think we're going over 4,000 versus the people who think we're going back to 3,300. And the disparity is so great that that's why I think we're going to see a lot of short squeezes. Because I think a lot of people just say this is the moment to really crash the party, really hurt the, hurt the bulls. But the bulls came in yesterday at a level that was, I didn't think they had the capital to do what they did yesterday. And then the bears were the last you know, 400 points to the Dow. Right. That was a very serious session yesterday in terms of what it said about the psyche. Because that was the worst number possible. And we didn't go down. <laughs> I know, the Lloyd tweet, the Lloyd Blankfein tweet that said if you knew it, you would have shorted it. Well, I think people kind of felt they did know it. And they did short it. And they were on the wrong side of the trade. Exactly. Uh, yesterday was a fun day for a lot of people, a lot of people who watch us. Because it was a reminder that a lot of money can be made if you just own good quality stocks. Just a lot of the high quality stocks did well yesterday. I mean, you know, the companies, the, the, the familiar brand name stocks, uh, it, it, companies that you just think, you know what, I can, I can find UNH. I, UNH is not a problem, That's my, they're my insurer. I mean, it's that kind of thing. It, it, it was kind of the purloin letter. The, the stocks that went up, they were, they're the ones that were right there. And that gave a lot of people real hope to see Microsoft up eight bucks. Yep. So it, it was a very bullish session, and, and it can't just be over in one day. Uh, and if Goldman does well next week in Bank of America, in a couple of days, and you're going to be able to say we got leadership. Does it make? We talked last week about some of the bullish call buying with strike prices in the four thousand yes, range yes. for October for March. Does does that still make sense? I to think hedge on? it trapped people. The people who sold those calls. I feel did not protect themselves, uh, and the people who came in with guns blazing yesterday, sending the market down two percent, betting it would be down five percent. I I talked to a number of people yesterday who said the market's going to crash. Sure. And when you use that word, you you better mean it in October. And I would I, the pushback I gave was I don't know. I mean, haven't we been kind of a rolling correction? It's been eleven months since November. The average bear market lasts thirteen, and I got the no. You don't know what you're talking about. We're going to crash. You know, from people, by the way, who were not alive in the 87 crash. People who literally were just kind of conjuring what a crash looks like. And the answer is it's not like this. I I don't want to see the market go up too much. And I know that the S&P earnings are coming down. But if we actually have the same leadership we had in 91, 92, which was the banks, they're fabulous leaders. Well, we, we talked, I mean, we watched the banks this morning. Uh, financials are up. But we mentioned uh, delinquencies don't seem to be an issue. We'll talk to Leslie Pickering in a moment. But Diamond, for example, Jim, saying no leveraged loan write-downs this quarter. Amazing. And Charlie Scharf making it clear 
where are the delinquencies? We just don't have them. We don't have them. And Charlie Scharf, again, I, I respect him as much as any banker in the world. And he is literally just combing them himself looking for delinquencies because it's almost eerie how few there are. Now, maybe at a certain point, the Fed, I don't know, the Fed may, what, are the, what does the Fed want to do with that? Do they want to make those people be delinquent? It's really a solid, great American story, Wells. It used to be a fantastic bank. And the, the amount, the number of fines that Charlie's had to pay it, it, that weren't his fault are staggering. And by the way, all new board, all new top reports. And I, I'm willing to say that Wells is back. I really am. And I, I didn't feel that way. Ever since February, of, uh, tw- February 5th of 2018, I've hated Wells because that's when Janet Yellen put the wood to it. Yeah, you've been pretty critical, although you have hinted that there's operating levers to pull, maybe more so than well, any other peers. I think Charlie had to deal with, had to get his person. I'm speaking of Charlie Sharp. He had to get his personnel in. He had to get the, all the personnel left. He had to be able to get a handle of the technology. And he had to do what I regard as what Charlie does best of all, which is to uh, have a great operating ratio, meaning getting more out of your people and also letting some people go. And, you know, they used to call him Chainsaw Charlie. I don't think that's right. I actually know him personally. This is really wrong. What he is good at is is making money. He's making money. Uh, As for yields, Jim, uh, tenure, as we said, back to levels before we got the CPI number. How do you like that? In the 385 range on the the 10-year. On the weak retail sales? Or is it... Look, I still don't think... I've I've been adamant that the Fed funds rate goes to five. and that Mester's right because things are so hot. And there's nothing in the, maybe retail says a little weak, but what people, the pushback that I got yesterday was, you think things are so hot, but you know that credit has become very difficult to get. And you know that mortgages are difficult to get. I'm not hearing that on the call so far, but that's the big rap, which is that you, know, you just wait. You won't be able, it, it's not so much that the mortgages are seven, you're just not gonna get credit. Right. A lot of travel names doing well. Uh, this story about United yesterday, Jim, potentially weighing an order for 100 wide bodies would be one of the biggest well, orders ever. Good, You'll be able to, like, it's an extremely full flight. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many years is now do we have to go up with that? That would be amazing. Uh, those stocks, when I, I speak to a lot of executives in those, and so Philip Philippo does too, this is a halcyon time for travel, and they need those planes. Uh, we've been waiting for those planes. All the companies that are in the plane business in different parts, uh, it's finally going to happen. American was good. I mean, American went down to 12, and that's like where it was uh, during the beginning of the pandemic. I think, you know, I, think, I think Delta is a huge buy here, and I tend not to recommend the airlines. I really like Delta. Mm-hmm. I think it's very good. Uh, some other just banging through a few stories. One is Caterpillar. Uncle B's going to stay. Yes, they, they let him. wave the... <laughs> the mandatory retirement age. I'm so happy for him. He's an operator. Uh, I think that he has been uniquely hurt by the strong dollar. I don't think people realize that the strong dollar is a tariff against the United States. That if the president were a little more thoughtful about these things, he would realize that our great American companies are being killed because of the dollar. And he would be helping them. But I don't know what he's focused on other than... The sun. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you want to do? You want to see some sort I of want, coordinated selling? I want, no, I want him to say to those who are dumping, 
that when we do the big infrastructure next year, because of, that we're not buying Japanese. We're not buying Korean, we're buying American. That's just what we're gonna do. We're no longer gonna make this so that our infrastructure bill is, is, turns out to be a windfall for Komatsu. But that would require a huge amount of work. You gotta spend some time on that. Or you can just do what I just said. Yep. Well, I mean, we'll see. It's certainly going to impact. It's painful. Trade is going to impact well, GDP. I just think Umplebee is just up against that strong dollar, and it's not fair. And remember, the oil companies, had, remember, China was passed by the oil companies as what the biggest use of Caterpillar. And so they're losing on China. They're losing on oil because the oil companies are not because they think there's no pipelines. They're not doing anything. And then they're losing on the strong dollar. And this is Jim's time. And they're also losing on raw steel. Steel's peaked. And I wonder what numbers he could put up if he did, if it wasn't three strikes that he's got against him, because he's a terrific operator, and I'm so glad that he got that that, that stay, because he deserves it. Uh, not, not a huge market cap, but Beyond Meat is a story today. Uh, they're going to lay off about a fifth of uh, the staff. Yeah, That's a couple hundred bad. employees. They slashed the sales guidance. Uh, the CEO who was uh, arrested for alleged CEO. assault uh, is out. Uh, yeah, that, that was that nose-biting razorback instance. Yes. That was, that was what I, I, I would call that ill-advised, to bite the nose of a guy Allegedly. at a razorback yes. game. Yes. I mean, maybe at the Penn, Penn State Michigan game, because <laughs> there may not be as much focus on nose-biting. There's been some, the line seven there's been some trash talk about how Eagles fans uh, behave in advance of this weekend. I was talking to Brandon Brooks, who's retired. He's now at <laughs> Goldman Sachs. Congratulations. He did tell me that he's worried about the defense. But no, I mean, I did a, a radio interview with an Eagles podcast, and I admitted that I never threw a battery. Just a snowball. We mentioned Netflix and media a moment ago. This, uh, this Twitter story, Jim, is interesting where the company lawyers said they're seeking documents related to some unnamed federal investigation of Elon Musk. Yeah, I thought that was unfair. I mean, come on. It's probably, you know, just, I don't know whether that was Brett, uh, Brett Taylor, the, the, CEO, CEO, uh, the chairman. Just, just, just you know, my advice to the people at Twitter is just play your hand. You're going to win. You know, shut up and win. I don't, that was a big, they don't need that. They're going to win as long as they don't antagonize. And I thought that they don't need to say anymore. They should just, just, they should just keep their mouth shut. Wait for the close. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, yeah. uh, Twitter is going to be a big story. And as for Netflix, we didn't mention UBS today going to 250 from 198. Right. No, I, look, I think that Netflix is the tail of the tape. I think that I was earlier saying that I thought Goldman just because I, I'm looking for new leadership. That's what we lack. The, the semis, you know, that's October 18th for Netflix. The semis were our leadership group for so long. And now they're, it, they're just horrible. Although I remember the Micron calls against it. I like healthcare and UNH can be a leader. Uh, they've done a very good job this quarter. And I like the banks. And th- that would be a lot of the S&P. So we could forget maybe about the tension of, of of Microsoft and Alphabet. Their market caps are still big, but it would be incredibly able to say, you know what? I think Key looks interesting. By the way, I think Key Bank was up third most in the S&P yesterday. Uh, 4.5% yield. Uh, it's, it's, it's 16. It, it, it's down from 27. That's what I'm looking for. Low risk, high reward Key Bank. And I know that's a small bank, and people may say it doesn't matter. It's in Cleveland. No, everything matters. And that's what I'm looking for is that kind of situation. 
Really quick on oil. Um, Chris Murphy, Foreign Relations Committee member, uh, tweeted last night, Jim, about his idea to basically take some Patriot batteries out of Saudi and give them to Ukraine as sort of as a reaction to their OPEC plus those uh, are the production cut move. Those are the expensive ones. All you need is that new uh, Raytheon truck that sees around the corner. You know that, that the Raytheon, it's just a couple hundred thousand. It costs a couple million each time you fire a Patriot missile. That would be a very big deal to take them away. That would be more than just a, uh, a for show statement. It, the Saudis are, are rapidly becoming uh, a, a part of a, it's almost like we think that they're, they're part of the axis of evil. Axis They've been our friends for years. I, I, I'm uncomfortable with how this thing is going only because we, they've been a friend. And it would be a shame if we can't just come over to them and say, listen, you, you made a mistake here. Let's kind of rethink this. As opposed to some of the stuff that's coming out. Yeah. Uh, certainly sounds like that's what they were trying to tell them in advance of the cut. No, but the, the enmity is yeah. against China, against Saudi. I mean, now, China's never been our real friend, but the Saudis have been a great ally. Right. Uh, meantime, uh, 3692, we continue to watch for uh, headlines out of the J.P. Morgan call. Leslie Picker's got some. Morning, Leslie. Hey, good morning, Carl. No surprise, most analysts focusing on the macro and trying to pin CEO Jamie Dimon down on exactly where he sees degradation in the economy, if not now, then in the future. And he reiterated that the consumer does remain very strong, but that he believes the extra money they have in their checking accounts will be depleted by mid-next year. Diamond adding that the combination of inflation, higher rates, higher mortgage rates specifically, Oil volatility and the fallout from the war in Ukraine will strain future numbers related to consumer spending. And as a result of that, he was asked then about the potential fallout from volatility in the UK markets, whether he's concerned about a capital shortage at some point over the next year, given the effects of quantitative tightening. He said QT is one of those big uncertainties because it changes the flow of funds around the world, particularly as it pertains to deposits. But he noted the event in the UK as a, quote, bump. It's inevitable you're going to see them. Whether they create systemic risk, I don't know. Uh, I have pointed out it's harder for banks to intermediate that. And, and that creates a little bit more fragility in the system. That does not mean that you're going to see a crack of some sort. But again, it's almost impossible not to have real volatility based on the facts we already told you. Diamond said the probabilities he's giving for a soft landing and something worse remain about the same as they did last quarter. The firm added about $800 million for reserves and restructured the makeup of bonds on the balance sheet due to rate movements during the quarter, trying to get a better mix there. Uh, shares higher today in part because the firm did guide higher than consensus on net interest income and upped the full year NII amount to $66 billion. It's about a $10 billion higher than they initially had. However, investment banking continues to be a weak spot. We've seen this throughout earnings all morning with Diamond specifically urging analysts on the call to model for lower revenue in that division next quarter than this quarter, which already saw declines of about 47%. Based on what they're seeing, though, in the pipeline, it doesn't look like we're going to get much improvement, at least in the fourth quarter of this year, guys. Interesting. Uh, Leslie, um, as you're talking, uh, trust in the UK, uh, speaking of all of that, has wrapped up her presser, uh, argues Jim uh, will keep the corporate tax rise. We recognize because of the current market issues, we'll have to deliver the mission in a different way. Wow, they got to get it together. I mean, I don't know. They're a major, they are a major country. 
they, this amateur hour's got in. I don't think they know what they're doing. I think they change tomorrow. There's a look at the pound, uh, just a whipsaw action last uh, today and last couple of weeks. Uh, our thanks to Leslie. Uh, would you argue, Jim, that Diamond's comments today have sort of softened the you know, headlines about 20% drops that we got yeah, well, a couple I think days ago? But, yeah, I'm so glad you put it that way because I think what he finally did was a little the nuance that he should have had with our interview, uh, which was, hey, it could be this, it could be that. It wasn't like it's going to be that. And, and he knew that the narrative had to change. Uh, he knew that he could not just say, listen, it's going to be bad. So he gave much more balance, which therefore moved things back and made you feel much better about what J.P. Morgan is saying and the world. I still am concerned that the S&P estimates are too high. But what Jamie and I did was take off the table the notion that he was extremely negative and instead just talk about probabilities. And I, I like that. He got the word. We he got the word. We didn't really touch on City. Uh, Fraser did yeah. say today, don't see a financial crisis. They reiterate the full year uh, expense and revenue guide. Uh, Thick was a miss, though, Jim, up one. Yeah, uh, and they, they continue to pause the buybacks. We all are kind of confused why they were buying back so high. And then the, as the buyback, got, the, the stock price got very low to the tangible book value. And then they disappeared as buyers. And they just said they're not going to buy it now. And I don't know, of the, of the big three that we've had today, uh, you, I mean, of the banks, you know, of Wells and J.P. Morgan, these guys. Because Morgan Stanley is an, is an, is an asset gatherer. We've got to understand that the numbers were affected by the acquisitions they made, by the E-Trade, the Eaton Vance, and then they just broke out the actual numbers like the like. People realized that Morgan Stanley was very good. But they're not a classic bank anymore, and people have to understand that. They are not. City, i, I got to learn more about because the, re- the trading revenue disappointed um, but the stock is so cheap, maybe people just say, well, you know, let's take a flyer. I don't like flyers. I like whales. Yeah. That was an interesting morning. There's so many uh, banks to get to. Didn't really touch on PNC or U.S. Bancorp, but. No, there- no, but I'm going to stay extra at, uh, to the tent. Okay, that's good. They never, they never let me do that. I mean, we've got a lot of chairs. Today's <laughs> a big day. We don't like for chairs. Some of the opening gains fading here. Dow's up 145. As a reminder, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Just sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club. Or we like to provide this QR code on the screen. Give you a few seconds to use that. Takes you straight there. As we go to break, as we said, watch bonds today. A uh, little bit of relief as the 10-year gets back to 389 or so, just south of 39. And the two-year back to 443 after approaching 45 earlier in the week. Be right back. Dow's up 200. Some of the laggards on the NASDAQ 100. You've got some China tech there. NVIDIA, we talked about some of the challenges <sighs> facing the semis that, that are going to be hard to erase anytime soon. LAM Research and AMD are going to be on the top five list. We'll get stopped trading with Jim in a moment. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Here's the kind of emblematic kind of calls we're getting. It's a city putting out a positive catalyst watch for Abercrombie and Fitch. Now, ANF has been horrendous, one of the worst stocks out there. And I think people, a lot of the companies, like that Micron I mentioned earlier, a lot of the brokerage houses want to say, you know what, some of these companies, they have EBITDA, they're not going out of business. Let's start taking an interest in them. And that's very positive, I, I, because the market's been down for so long, 
that people are saying, you know what, I've got to start making a line in the sand. If they're not going out of business, you know, if they're not going to be Bed Bath & Beyond, I'm going to take a shot at it. Now, I don't know if Bed Bath is going to go out of business. I do know that they have to get the credit deal. I know Kohl's is in trouble, but maybe they'll get it. But we're seeing now the beginning of what people say is the promotional environment is discounted. It's worth it to start accumulating position. And that itself is a sign that people are getting a little more confidence in the market. All right, it's interesting. Journal did a piece this week on cotton, down 45%. Yes, yeah, that's from a great highs. example. See, like, you know, if you look at PVH, which is very levered to cotton, and it's been a little gun shy about coming on air, um, their stock's at 49. Now, when Manny Chirico ran it, this, by the way, Stefan Larson's a very good upper. Manny Chirico ran it, the stock was triple where it is now. Uh, it's down 53%. And uh, Europe's doing well. Maybe the the Confirst and Dam store, which has been the great store that they have in Europe, is now not doing as well. I don't know. But, wow, uh, some of these stocks are really, really low. And if, unless you think they're going to go under, it does make sense to accumulate a position. How about tonight? Well, I have this guy, Rusty Brazil. He's been dead right about every single thing involving the oil patch. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are angry at the Saudis. We get some of the things that Jamie Dimon has quoted, one of these things saying not some good things about the Saudis. I want to find out whether that's even a sideshow. And what really matters is, are we going to pump more? Uh, is, is Canada going to pump more? Because it, right now, the oil people I deal with truly dislike the president. Um, and kind of, I think, are holding oil back because they want to make money for their shareholders. But if they felt that they could have a, even a photo op of the president, they would feel a little more inclined. President's under a lot of heat from a lot of business people. That's why the midterm election is very important. Yep, I think they recognize that they maybe are a tad insular. Uh, we'll see if that changes after midterm. I mean, JP Morgan's up for it. I mean, wonder, are they mad? Because right now the president's saying, see them. <laughs> Jim, we'll see you uh, tonight. Mad Money, of course, 6 p.m. Eastern time, wrapping up a big week here for us on Squawk on the Street. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.